morning. If you'd open up your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 13. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Okay. I'll be reading out of the Legacy Standard Bible. Follow along in your copy of God's Word. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, for he who has died has been justified from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. Verse 11, even so consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts, and do not go on presenting your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not be master over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this, your Lord's day. We thank you for your word, God. We thank you for your spirit, God. We thank you for Jesus who died for our sins, God, who made this possible, Lord. Lord, we pray, God, that we would be changed by your word, Father, by your spirit, Lord. The power is in your word through the spirit, Father. I pray that I would decrease to nothing, Father. I pray that you would open the minds and hearts of everybody here, that we would be convicted, encouraged, Lord, that you would accomplish your will in our lives, Father. It's in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, we pray. Amen. So, this chapter starts off, this is coming off of, of uh, chapter 5, uh, where Paul glorious chapter speaking about being justified by faith in Christ and having Christ's righteousness gifted to us. And Paul starts off almost addressing a, 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 an objection, if you will, after coming off of that. Um, what shall we say then? We've been justified by faith. We're in Christ. Should we live how we want? Shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? I'm saved. I got my ticket. Um, I can just keep going. God will forgive me. Shall we continue in sin so that grace may increase? Paul says, may it never be. 
King James says, God forbid it. Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Now, we all live in, there's really two realities we live in. We are either in Christ, we are either slaves of Christ, or we're slaves of sin. We're either presenting ourselves to slaves of God, or we're presenting ourselves to sin, and sin is our master. So I want, to, I want you to think about that reality. What is your reality? Read this. This is not something that's subjective when we talk about this text, being dead to sin, being alive to God, considering yourself dead to sin. It's not, this is an objective truth. If you are in Christ, the Bible, this is the reality for the Christian. And don't hear me say that the, that the Christian does not sin, because we have the next chapter talking about Paul doing the things he doesn't want to do, but there is a change in who you are serving. Jesus Christ is Lord. And you are, if, you are, if you are born again, you are serving him. So let's get going. Chapter, or ch- verse 3. Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death so that Christ, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. In this context, our baptism into Christ uh, is, uh, is the close union the believer is brought into with him. We're brought into union with him when we're regenerated, when we're saved, when we're born again. And he, in these verses, as we go on, it just elaborates more on what these two verses are saying. It, it, this unfolds and he further explains it into detail, this union. This change, okay. And <clears throat> when we're brought into that union, we're regenerated. Our, wa- our water baptism is a picture of that. So he's using baptism here, and he's using it in a, in a different way. He doesn't mention water anywhere here, um, but we know but through other texts and what the reasons why someone's baptized, we know that water baptism will follow. So we're going to get into that, but he's using this being baptized into Christ being baptized into his death. Um, what does Paul mean by baptized into Christ? Is he talking about a spiritual baptism, or is he talking, like I said, a water baptism? A spiritual immersion, that's what baptism means, is immersion. That's why we b- baptize in water. You are immersed in water. Um, spiritual baptism is when we're immersed into Christ. That the moment of regeneration specifically when we're brought into union with him at that time we are born again. We see examples of him saying, uh, born into Christ, Galatians 3.27. You don't have to turn there, I'll read it. Uh, For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. In 1 Corinthians 10, he doesn't say into Christ. He says, all who were baptized into Moses, in the cloud and in the sea. Colossians 2.12, have been Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And in this verse, too, we were baptized into, what are you baptized into? Baptized into Christ and into his death. We are immersed into Christ. We are immersed into his death. 
Now, water baptism, we can, like I said, water baptism is going to be a result in, in what you do as commanded um, after you're born again. So water baptism, immersed into water. It's the physical or, or public display or proclamation um, or picture of that union with Christ. Our water baptism is a picture of that spiritual baptism, if you will, that regeneration, us being us dying to our old selves, being buried, being raised out of the water in newness of life. And many, many scholars that I was studying this will say, well, okay, there's not a drop of water in this text. Some will say it is all about water baptism. Um, after reading it and studying it, is it water baptism, spiritual? I would say yes. I would say because of a, a spiritual baptism, because of a being engrafted and, and being put into Christ, a water baptism will follow for the true believer. We will follow with water baptism, displaying what Christ has done. And he's, again, he's using this in a very unique way. Um, let's not... Let's, it's the inward change. This baptism is the inward change, the, the rebirth that takes place in the believer that unites us, our spiritual baptism, if you will. Um, and it's publicly shown in water baptism. Now, we know just because you get baptized doesn't mean uh, that's not what saves you. Don't hear that. Water baptism doesn't save you. It's the, it is evidence that you have been born again. It displays that we're, we are belonging to Christ. It displays that there has been a change in us, that we've been moved from Adam we've been, and moved into Christ. And a lot of this text um, is based off of verses 3 and 4. A lot of the, what this is, and um, okay, I'll keep going. Just as Christ died physically, just as he died physically, we died to our old, sinful, corrupted selves who was once in Adam. The nature of Adam, our sin nature. That's what we were uh, baptized into his death. That death, that union we have with Christ is a full union with his death, burial, and resurrection. And, the, and, and because our old, our old man, our old selves died with Christ on the cross. We'll get into that more. As Christ rose from the dead, Paul says we too walk in newness of life. When we're saved, we're brought into this spiritual fellowship or union. You're going to hear me say union a lot tonight, today, this morning. Um, we're, going to, we're brought into that union with Christ fully, his death, burial, and resurrection. In the likeness of, in the likeness of his death, burial, and resurrection. Now, he, to kind of get back onto understanding this, what, how he's using uh, baptism, uh, Kenneth Woos defines it as the introduction this is in this context, the introduction of placing a person or a thing into a new environment or union with something else so as to alter its condition or its relationship to its previous environment. We were once enslaved to sin of our father, the devil, against God, hostile to God in Adam, and we were moved into a new environment with Christ, his righteousness given to us. Because of what he did, what his perfect life. Verse 5. For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his re- resurrection. 
So what made us united to his death and resurrection? Well, what happened to us spiritually when we were saved? The regeneration that that took place. What our baptism represents, our old man dying, being buried and being raised again, us walking in that newness. It's this regenerating work that incorporates us into Christ, being united into the likeness of his death. Because he died, we died. That is our old man. Jesus rose, we rose spiritually from the dead, walking in newness. We are in Christ because we've been baptized in Christ. We have been planted with and made one with Christ. And this verse validates that we're joined together and are part of him. So, what what does this union imply? What is this this baptism, this union, being placed in Christ, it implies that our old man died with Christ and we're no longer under the reign of sin. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves of sin. And because of that union with Christ specifically, his death, we are dead to sin. Our old bodies, our old man, who was ruled by sin, was crucified and was killed with Christ. And our dead body slaves, our dead body was buried and it remains in the grave. If you are a Christian, this is the reality of the Christian, okay? This is not a blanket statement for every single person out here, okay? This is if you are in Christ, if you are truly been born again. And we're going to Talk about this reality for the Christian and the reality for the unbeliever towards the end here. But when I say we have been buried with him, this is talking about those who are true believers of Christ. And this is the fourth time in in, verse 6, talking about, okay, our old man was crucified and our old body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves. This is the fourth time he mentions our death in regards to sin. Not from sinning, but from the reign of sin. Verse 2, he says it. In verse 3, we were baptized into his death. Verse 5, we're united into the likeness of his death. And here we are in verse 6. Now our old man was crucified, killed. Paul mentions... This old man, this old man following after his master of sin, which was true for all of us at one time before Christ, he mentions it in Ephesians 4, Colossians 3, and uh, he mentions putting it off in those chapters, parts of those chapters, and we can put it off because that old man is dead for the Christian. That old man is dead. And our old way of life, ruled by sin, is dead, when we're no longer, we're not to live, we're not to live as if we're still in Adam. He's saying, but we should no longer be slaves of sin. You can no longer be a slave because the master's been put to death. For he who has died is justified from sin, verse 7. The, pe- the payment of our sin was paid with Christ's death. And we're acquitted, the Christian is acquitted 
of our crimes against sin, our crimes of sin in rebellion towards God, who, the God who created all things, the judge. That penalty was dealt to Christ so that those who believe, those who through faith believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and his gospel are justified. They're declared, we're declared not guilty. Christ took the guilt of our sin. He took the punishment for our rebellion, and the payment was made by Christ. Wages of sin is death. That's later on in this chapter. Therefore, the, we as believers are declared not guilty. He who has died has been justified. Verses 8, 9, and 10. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death he died, he died to sins once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Again, unfolding what three and four are, this union, this baptism into Christ, being in Christ, it's still talking about that union, living with him, if we're united to Christ with Christ's death, we're united to his resurrection and live with him. It's not just one or the other. It's not, okay, we're dead to sin and maybe one day we'll rise and, and walk in a newness of life. Yes, we will be risen, you know, like Christ was raised. We too one day will be raised from the grave before the Lord hasn't come first. But he's talking about spiritually what happens in our lives. Um, <clears throat> we're united to his death and, and united to his resurrection and we live with him. Just as death no longer is uh, master over Christ, he defeated death, sin is no longer master over the believer. The powers of sin. When he died for sin and rose, Christ, that was sufficient to cover all of our sins. Past, present, and future. The atonement that was made to cover all of this was made and doesn't have to be made again. It is finished, Christ said. His death was final. And your death to sin was final. He lives to God. Now you live in the likeness of him. And that will be developed even more here in some of these, in, once we get into verses 12 through 13. So, the first half of this was discussing how are we dead to sin? How do we get here, right? Because he says, his kind of rebuttal in verse 2 he said, after them saying, are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? Or him saying that? He says, how, no, how shall we who died continue to live in it? So first we looked at verses 3 through 10 as how or why the Christian can say that you are dead to sin, why you're no longer a slave to sin. So in verses 11 to 13, we're going to see um, how the Christian should live in this reality, how the Christian should live knowing that you are dead to sin. And again, that's not dead to sinning, that's dead to the power and mastery that sin has over, the, over, over your life if you're outside of Christ. So, verse 11, Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. That is a monumental verse for us as Christians. That is monumental. It is astonishing. It takes what you have what you think about yourself and 
well, God's word is over what your, your feelings and, and your emotions. Man, I keep getting beat down over sin. I know I'm born again, but I'm struggling. Is there any hope for me? Am I ever going to? Listen, consider yourselves to be dead. This isn't some po- positive self-talk, worldly psychobabble. This is the word of God. This is the reality for those who are in Christ. You've been justified. You're no longer a slave to sin because you have died, right? You're dead to sin because you're united to Christ, because what Christ has done, and when you're regenerated, when you're made new, your old man died with Christ. Paul isn't using the word consider yourselves. Maybe you're, most people, a lot of people use New King James, I think it says reckon, That's not subjectively like, you know, it's up to me to accept whether I'm dead to sin or not. Well, it's up to me. No. If you're in Christ, you died. And the the Greek word for that consider or reckon uh, means to take into account, to conclude, uh, come to a, a conclusion. So consider the fact, it's a fact, Christian, that you are dead to sin's power. Again, that's the reality for the redeemed. Our old selves, our old man was crucified with Christ, died and was buried with Christ. And when we're saved, just as astonishing, we're united with Christ. This this is our Savior. He doesn't just save us and then go off in some distant, apathetic God. His word says we're united to him. Not as him, but in the likeness of him. It It is intimate. We have a Savior who is involved in our lives we're not we are in christ we are with christ so we're dead to sin and we're alive to god in christ jesus as christ rose from the dead we rose from our spiritual death and condemnation and now we walk in newness of life we are justified by faith by his blood Saved from the wrath of God, we're alive to God, we're no longer guilty, we're no longer dead in our trespasses and sins. Christ took that punishment for us and we're alive because our sentence of death, the guilt of our, our crimes against God, the guilt of our sin and our rebellion and hostility and rejection, the sentence of that was put on Christ. Verse 12, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its lusts. So how do we live, how are we to live knowing that this is the, re- the, the reality of the Christian? We live knowing that we're dead to sin and alive to God. And we don't present our members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness. We don't let sin rule the kingdom of our hearts because it's not the king of our hearts anymore. It's not, the, it's not our master anymore. How is, that ma- how is this master of sin and Satan going to rule us when Christ says we've died to that and we're new? It's still, we still struggle, of course. Don't, again, don't hear me say that we're not going to sin, but you can resist now. We can resist. Christian, we can resist against sin. It's not our automatic bent to sin. It's not our pleasure overall to sin. So we don't present ourselves. We don't present our members 
everything about us to sin anymore. We do not, verse 13, and don't go presenting your members as instruments of, of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those alive from dead, um, alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. We, are, we present ourselves as a Christian to God's service. Not the service of sin because he rules our lives now. Christ is Lord for every single person in this room. Even if you're outside of Christ, one day you're going to bow your knee to Christ. And we plead with you that you bow your knee to Christ today, not at judgment. So we live in this reality, presenting our members as instruments of of righteousness to God. We're all serving, someone serving either one of two masters. It's either Christ or it's sin. So why are we dead to sin? Why can we say that we're dead to sin? Because our old man was crucified with Christ. Paul describes that unity as we saw through verses 3 through 10. How do we live knowing that we're dead to sin? Verses 11, 12, and 13, we consider ourselves dead to sin because of all of that, that unity with Christ, unity with his death, unity with his burial and resurrection. We present our, our members, our bodies, everything about us to God's service, and we're able to do so. You are enabled to do so because of what Christ has done in our lives, and we don't go back to what used to rule us. We don't go back to using our members, our thoughts, our minds, everything to the service of sin. We present, our, as we present ourselves as ones who are alive. We once were dead. We present ourselves as ones who are alive. So before you were saved, you were dead in your sins and trespasses, under the reign of sin. After Christ saves us, we're dead to sin and its power. And we, lo- we live alive to God under his reign. So we're either... We're either dead to sin and alive to God, or we're either dead to God and alive to sin, dead in our trespasses and sins. Christ has made the way to be alive to God. Can you say that you've died with Christ? Sure, many people can say that, but, but, but how are you presenting your members? Are your, is everything about you in service to the king? Overall, or do you, is your lifestyle in service to sin, in service to yourself, your old man? How we, how we live matters, and how we live shows who, who we really serve. And there, Matthew chapter 7 is probably one of the, you know, Jesus says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And there may be people in this room that might hear that one day. And I want you to compare your life. I want you to really, not who you pretend to be on Facebook, not who you pretend to be at church or around a certain people, but who you really are. 
Is that really our reality? Is, from, compared to what we've read today, is our reality that we're dead to sin, is it evident in our lives that we're striving against sin, we're presenting ourselves to God? These verses destroy and devastate easy believism because there's a spiritual transfer of kingship in our lives that's evident in what we do. So what reality are you living in? And Christian, the hope, the, the, there is so much hope. This verse, these verses changed my life as an early Christian. Once someone sat down and helped me understand the word of God, and God, through his spirit, opened my mind and my heart, knowing that, you know what, I'm, I'm, sometimes I just feel like I'm defined by my sin. I'm sure many of you guys feel like that too. Are you going to believe what you say about yourself, true Christian? Believe what the word of God has you to, to believe. And that's that you're dead to sin and there's victory. You can have victory over your sin. It's through Christ. We struggle, yes. Paul says in the next chapter, I do the things I don't want to do. I, I don't do the things I want to do. That's, that is the, the struggle of the Christian life. Pastor Eric said last week, if your life is easy and you have no problems, you know, um, living how you want to live, that, that ought to be startling to you. The Christian life is hard. Are you den- we needed to deny ourselves, get in the word of God, get into church. So look at your life. Read this, read this, this portion of scripture by yourself. Pray to God that he would open your eyes and see what God's word says about the true Christian's reality. And see... Is that the reality for me? It's, are you dead to sin? Is there victory over sin in your life? Is there a want to have victory in your sin over li- in, in your life? Or do you just say the right things? You never read your Bible. You never pray. Going to church is, is a, a burden. Loving your neighbor is a burden. Do you love to, you know, we could go down a list. Is that, is that your overall, overall reality? Pray on it. Pray on, look at, read this verse, pray on it. Find hope in it, Christian, because that is, it is, it is a, it is a gem. The apex of this passage is in verse 11. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Someone said if, if, uh, if the Bible was a mountain, maybe Romans would be the peak of it. Maybe Romans 6, 7, and 8 would be the very peak of it. But Okay, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you so much for what Christ has done in saving sinners, Father, that we were dead in our sins and trespasses, God, and you sent your Son to live the perfect life, God, who... who fulfilled the demands of the law, fulfilled what the prophets had said concerning the Messiah, Lord, and that he died in place of wretched sinners, God. That he was buried and rose from the grave. Lord, I pray, Father, that we'd be changed people, God. We pray that those who are in our midst who are still slaves of sin, God, we pray that you would cause them to be born again, Lord. Draw them to yourself, Father, please, God. 
Lord, help us to live in the reality of what God's word says. Help us to fight against sin, Lord. Help us not to lay back as the people in the beginning of this chapter, Lord, who said, shall we continue in sin so that grace may abound? Lord, it's a battle, Father, and we can do nothing apart from you. We need your grace, God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.